Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We share our stories to encourage and equip each other to live out our faith in Jesus. We are so glad you're here. Merry Christmas. We're really glad that you're joining us for our fourth and final episode in our Encouraged and Equipped Advent series. Today, we get to talk about joy. As you're listening today, we would love it if you accessed our Advent devotional guide. If you're joining us on Apple or Spotify, that devotional guide is right there in the show notes for you. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you can go down to the description and click the link for the PDF. In this episode, Kate Tokar and Peyton Weinsaffel join me to talk about joy. Here's our conversation. Merry Christmas and welcome to today's episode of Encouraged and Equipped. We have been looking at different themes in Advent that come up during the Christmas season and really all of life. And today I am honored to have Peyton and Kate with me and we are going to talk about joy. Before we get started, I would love for you to get to know a little bit about Kate and Peyton. And even though I started with Merry Christmas, I thought I might should have started with Go Frogs because they both (laughs) are TCU Horn Frogs, meaning Kate's husband is a professor there. Her oldest daughter's a student there. Peyton teaches there, is getting her doctorate there. So I thought maybe I would win some favor if I started with Go Frogs. (laughs) Is that fair? It is. It is. (laughs) Okay, good. Also, I would love to ask, we ask everyone as we get started, what is a little something that has brought you joy lately? Kate, what's something that's brought you joy lately? You know, I love decorating for seasons. And so that has been really joyful to me. And I just feel like it, you know, it like makes your house look completely different for a short time and then you put it away and then you get to do it again next year. And so that's been really fun for me lately and it's brought me a lot of joy. I love that. I love that. What about you, Peyton? Um, I love pajama and loungewear sets. Oh, they nice. bring that's me a lot of joy. <laughs> yes. Particularly when I get in them at like 7.30 p.m. <laughs> and yeah, then I just stay in them on my couch mm-hmm. for the evening, usually reading or working on something. But the loungewear set just... Yeah, it brings me a lot of joy. Makes you happy. That makes me smile. Yes. Uh That makes me smile. (laughs) Well, thanks again for being here and for sharing with us how joy has been impactful and meaningful for you at Christmas and really year-round. So to start off, I really want to start with the Christmas story and ask each of you, what is it about joy specifically in the Christmas story that has been meaningful or encouraging for you? I think for me, a little bit before the traditional Christmas story starts, we see Mary, who's newly pregnant, probably terrified, Mm -hmm. so many social things going on with that, visit Elizabeth. And it talks in Luke chapter 1 in verses 39 through 45, really. When Mary arrives, um, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, talks about blessing the fruit of her womb, which obviously is Jesus. Um, And she just says that the baby in her own womb, John the Baptist, leaps for joy Mm -hmm. at the presence of Mary and Jesus in her womb. And so I love that there's just joy even before it all gets started, really, with the Christmas story. 
and the, in a time where both of them were kind of experiencing some non-traditional, uncomfortable, <laughs> weird yeah. things, that there was still so much joy. And then the second place in the story that is really sweet for me to see joy um, is in Luke 2, um, kind of 8 through 20, when the shepherds are met in the field by these angels singing a chorus, which sounds a little terrifying and also incredible. <laughs> And it just says that the good news of Jesus' birth is going to be great joy for all the people. And I just love that because it's like no matter how the shepherds responded, the news itself was the joy. And then they just respond. And I love that the joy of that news just kind of demands some kind of response Mm -hmm. and that their response is to kind of um, adopt that joy and go chasing down this family and baby in a manger to to worship. And it's just so sweet to see that the news itself is joyful, regardless of how we respond, but then we can also adopt that joy. And so those are two places in the Christmas story that I see joy that just means a lot to me. Hmm. I love that. Um, For me, I kind of think going back sort of to the beginning when God made people to have fellowship with Him. Um, And he gave them rules to keep them safe and close to him. But as you know, from the very beginning, um, Adam and Eve didn't obey, and we do not obey, and we continue to sin. Um, And so it's just so interesting as you continue through the Old Testament, seeing people constantly sin and walk away from God, and then you see them sacrificing animals, but that doesn't save them. You know, there's nothing that's like, okay, good, now you're done. Like, you've done what you need to, and you're good, and you're going to be saved. That doesn't work. And they really needed a greater hope and a personal Savior which is also our need. Um, And that's where Jesus comes in. So that's where the joy is. And so I love that he paid that penalty for us and made us right with God so that we can have complete fellowship with God forever, which is so joyful. And so I just love this sort of pattern of Jesus, his birth gives us hope and salvation to this hurting world. And then that gives us joy. And that doesn't change. And that is what's so amazing. And I love, oh, holy night, um, and how it describes our plight, I will not sing it, but <laughs> I will. will I. Yeah. <laughs> None of us will be singing it this morning. Um, but I love that it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And that is the source of our true joy, and I just love it. Um, A verse I really love is Ephesians 2, 12, and 13, and it says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so, I mean, there is nothing more joyful, (laughs) you know, than having that hope that God gives us and that joy it leads to. And I love that that... Joy is not changed by our circumstances. It is constant and um, unchanging, and that is so comforting. What wonderful reminders of the profound joy that we get to experience at Christmas because of Christ's birth and all that is going to follow that. Thanks for sharing that. Sticking on this idea of joy, of course, I want to ask, because joy can be challenging, and we're going to get into that, but I think joy can also be... I don't want to say easy, but really apparent, especially as we look around us and look back at Christmas's past. Mm -hmm. And I thought it might be fun to start with maybe a simple question of 
where is something just that easily comes to your mind when you think about joy at Christmas? For example, I have an inordinate amount of joy when it comes to just seeing Christmas lights, yes. which <laughs> when I drive down the street where there are Christmas lights, somehow I'm that street is better than yes, the streets without Christmas lights. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's really apparent. And so start maybe, Kate, for us with what is something that brings you joy at Christmas or that as you look back Mm -hmm. in celebrating Christmases has been joyful for you? Yeah. You know, the, um, I have really sweet memories of growing up um, around Christmas time. My mom decorated our house in wonderful ways from top to bottom. And she still does that. And she just made it feel like just so special and just such a sweet time of the year. We had lights and trees and I even had a tree in my room that had purple lights and ornaments, which at the time, you know, it's been a few years. Um, that was a big deal to have purple lights. And so, um, she also made delicious treats, you know, just the whole thing felt very special and our house just felt like, to me, that's like, when you think of home, that's what I think of. And, um, I remember also she and my grandmother would spend nights leading up to Christmas, making all kinds of fancy candy and, um, they made these fried pecans that were amazing. You boil them in sugar water and then you drain them and then you fry them in oil and put salt on top. And they are the most incredible thing ever. And um, so I remember sneaking a few treats, you know, as they're making them, but they would spend so much time making them and wrapping them all up and um, just to give to friends and family. And so kind of setting this, just this pattern of loving others and sharing others and sharing joy with others. Um, And I still love Christmas decorations, like I shared, and how they remind us of life kind of in the middle of the bleak winter, you know? Um, So I just love to be, I feel like it kind of gets us in the mood to celebrate Jesus all year, you know? And then we do it again. Like as we start to to go downhill, we like bring ourselves back again and like, you know, we can celebrate Jesus again. So I just think it's a great reminder of like what's to come and what we need to be, you know, where our hearts need to be. So I always love that. For me, I remember growing up, we always would wait in our rooms until my dad would come and get us on Christmas morning. So we weren't allowed to just come out, usually because he was getting off shift uh, from the fire station. And so he didn't want to miss out on us opening presents if we got up before he got home, (laughs) which is understandable. And so we would all wait like at the threshold of our door until he would come and get us. And now as adults, we all still cram in like (laughs) an area of the house or a room and wait because that's just what we do. And it's the anticipation that makes the joy of when they finally, you know, our parents come and get us to like start Christmas morning together. Mm-hmm. That is just so fun. It just brings joy. And that's what comes to mind when I think of like joy is also the anticipation of like, I know it's coming, but like the waiting. And so it reminded me of when Kate was sharing about kind of the Christmas story, like the anticipation of knowing that Jesus is coming and then knowing what comes after that is part of the joy. And so, yeah, Christmas morning is so fun. Just all, especially as adults, it's so silly, but waiting (laughs) until, you know, we can cross the threshold to go have our Christmas morning and get into, you know, our slippers and sit on the couch and have coffee or hot chocolate or um, whatever, monkey bread. We make that on Christmas morning usually or cinnamon rolls um, because that's a healthy way to start the day, obviously, um, on Christmas in particular. So yeah, I love that. It just No kale on Christmas morning. Absolutely not. That does not bring joy. No. (laughs) Okay. I want to stick for just a minute because I've heard you talk about your Christmas 
morning celebrations with your family. And often it wasn't on December 25th, but you've talked about something you learned from your parents. You used the phrase before, joy is flexible. Tell me what that means to you and how you learned that from your parents. Yeah. So because like I mentioned, my dad was a firefighter paramedic, his shift rotated to every third day. And so at the beginning of the year, we would get the calendar and we would know what day he was working. And my parents just decided early on when we were little that it mattered more that we celebrate Christmas together than that we celebrate Christmas on a particular day. And so for most of my life, I had no idea that Christmas was not a rotating holiday. (laughs) I just, I thought everybody knew that it just, it changes days. Whenever it works. Right, right. And I mean, I thought it was like Easter or, you know, I didn't realize that it had an actual date on the calendar (laughs) because we just moved it to whenever he would be off shift so that we could celebrate Christmas together as a family because that was just the priority. That mattered more than like, no, it has to be on this particular day. And so, yeah, we just, we learned to be flexible with when we got to kind of experience the joy and the celebration. And sometimes that was even flexibility of where we were eating or doing a Christmas meal. Maybe it was at the fire station. Uh, Maybe it was eating someone else's desserts or all the desserts that random citizens from the town brought to the fire station, which is so kind. Um, But like sometimes it wasn't your mom's, you know, pumpkin cake and it was some random person's desserts and that's fine too. And so it just was a sweet Mm. thing to learn growing up that joy is flexible. It's, It's not dependent on a particular day or, you know, maybe who you celebrate with changes or where or the food or, you know, there can be lots of things that change, but the joy doesn't have to. Mm. I appreciate you guys sharing about some of your fun Christmas memories. I know, though, that Christmas and all holidays can experience challenges, do experience challenges, and experiencing joy, not if, but when that joy is challenged or when our circumstances or a situation comes up is difficult. So would you be willing to share a little bit about how joy has been challenging at Christmas and how you have responded to that or at least try to respond to that? Yeah. Well, I think just in general, holidays can, just like you're saying, they can be very joyful, but they can also be extremely difficult. I mean, you throw in difficult family dynamics and relationships, like maybe you've recently lost a loved one and, you know, then these Mm -hmm. holidays are hard, or maybe you have just deep loneliness and a feeling like you're missing out or financial stress. Um, Maybe you've just gotten a bad health diagnosis or you have unmet expectations. There are just so many places that complications can arise. And um, I think that's where joy comes in because, you know, it's not based on our circumstances, like we already said. And um, Alistair Begg, I love how he said this. He said, joy is based on an objective reality, not on subjective feelings. And I think that that is so true. And so I think that there are things that we can do that help us to kind of stay in that joyful mindset, you know, as you're going into it. And so some of the things that I have found that are helpful for me to focus on is like, praying and preparing ahead of time for interactions with family and friends, um, that God would guard my mind and my heart and my mouth, and that <laughs> I would honor Him. Um, and I think in general, you know, the holiday season can get so busy, it's hard to keep up with spiritual disciplines. And mm. they are really meant to go all year long, not take a few weeks <laughs> off for Christmas, you know? Um, and so I think reading the Bible, and I love Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your word your words became to me a joy and the delight to my heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think clinging, even if that looks like reading for five minutes when you wake up in the morning before you get up to go have coffee with your family or whatever that looks like, but just having 
taking that time to read his word is so important and so helpful and so good and focuses our mind on him. Um, worshiping him, which I think Christmas is so fun because we have lots of opportunities to do that at church or with friends or, you know, different different things. An intentional effort to keep my heart and mind focused on Christ and not on my circumstances, because it's easy to start looking around and, and feeling sad about things or feeling disappointed about things or, you know. Um, also, focusing on serving others. I think sometimes in hard, you know, if there's a family get-together that's hard, you can be the one who serves by washing dishes or going to play with the kids or, you know, there are a lot of opportunities that God can bring up that you can serve others, and it really does change the time. Um and then, and then I think too, just remembering to reach out to those around us who don't have family to, you know, to spend Christmas with or who are having a hard season can be so helpful. And I think those really help us fight back against Satan who wants us to despair, you know, like this is a time that should be joyful, but you're despairing. So, you know, that can be really hard. So these things really help me to kind of keep my focus and stay joyful regardless of what's going on. So I love that. I love that you talk about things we can add to our life to help promote that mindset of joy. For me, there's some things I need to delete or mm-hmm. subtract from my life to stay in that um, mindset of joy. And so for me, it's a lot of looking at like, okay, what's stealing my joy in this moment or in this season? Um, one of those things consistently, not just during Christmas, but I think especially during the holidays, social media can be such a thief of joy yeah. because I don't, I don't know who first said it, but comparison is the thief of joy and social media just breeds comparison of like, oh, their Christmas decorations look better or they had more family members present or, oh, I'm single and they're married and, you know, having their first kiddo that they get to celebrate Christmas with, like all those things just sneak into steal and kill and destroy your joy. And so for me, sometimes it's removing things from my life, like not being on social media over the holidays or any other time of year that I am realizing (laughs) that like, this is just not helpful. It's not making me feel more joyful. It's not reminding me of the kindness and the gifts that the Lord has given me because he's so good and gracious, even in hard times, especially if the holidays are a hard time, he's still so kind. And so anything I can delete or remove from my life, um, maybe that's commitments, maybe that's extra events or things that I just really don't need to go to. And I don't need to feel obligated to some of those things. Maybe it's, um, you know, removing some of the stuff I waste time on so that I can spend more time in the word or, or even around people, um, who bring me a lot of joy. If I know that that is what I need before I go into maybe a hard gathering or something like that. So yeah, I think that's definitely something I keep in mind and try to practice to maintain joy is removing things that steal joy. Um, and then like Kate said, adding things in that help refocus my attention onto the kindness of the Lord. Mm. That's good. I know that even when we talked about the Christmas story just a little bit ago, sometimes we want to say Christmas is the most wonderful time of the Mm -hmm. year. And Mm -hmm. maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. That's okay. I do think it's important for us to acknowledge there was brokenness in the Christmas story. Jesus came because there was brokenness. There's Mm -hmm. brokenness in family relationships. There's brokenness. And I know that, Peyton, you've shared in the past with me about some things in your family that have been challenging or broken. Would you be willing to share a little bit about that and maybe how you process or walk through that? Yeah. So my family walked through um, an emergency placement of a a distant relative um, a couple of years ago. And that sweet baby, um, we ended up getting to foster. And I guess there were about three Christmases where we had her that it was all very uncertain. Um, And we had family members choosing to not speak to us anymore um, or frustrated or hurt or angry. 
and uh, us trying to just love and take care of this baby who, um, you know, just has some disabilities and special needs and lots of stress and exhaustion and also just so much uncertainty. And I think I resonate so much with the fact that I, I know Mary and Joseph could relate to that degree of uncertainty during that time of like, what, what is this going to look like? (laughs) Um, I just, I can't even imagine what they were walking through. Um, except that I feel like we felt some of that uncertainty of like, are these the only Christmases we'll get with this kiddo? Are we going to say goodbye at some point? And, you know, opening gifts was sweet, but then it was always this thought in the back of your head of like, we might not get to see her play with these things. Like she might end up, you know, going somewhere else and we won't get to be part of that. And so we did get to adopt her, which um, is also just a whole other realm of joy to get to um, (laughs) do life and have as an adult to have a younger sister who's that much younger um, is so fun and so sweet. And she is a bundle of joy and just everything that she does is so exciting. Um, But yeah, those few years of just what is this going to look like? And Christmas looked different because we weren't really celebrating with some of our family members that we historically had spent every Christmas with. And so that change and um, the grief and the sadness compounded with the uncertainty, it was just hard. And I think one, having my family members, the you know my immediate family members, my sisters and my parents, us kind of forging through that together um, allowed us to still focus on the joy of that season. And so maybe for some people it's not, parents or siblings, maybe it's, um, close friends or community or a spouse or, you know, your own kids, but we have the body of Christ around us. And so finding those people within the body of Christ that you can stick together with through the really hard, um, particularly of the holiday season, because it can be really heavy or challenging, I think can be really helpful. And then also, I mean, back to what I said earlier, joy is flexible. And even when it doesn't look the way that you feel like it should look, um, sometimes that's just an opportunity to lean in to what the Lord might teach you in that. And through that discomfort or suffering or hardship, you might get to experience a lot of joy on the other side. Uh, James talks about counting it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so I think sometimes that's the joy in the moment is knowing that this hard thing I'm walking through is producing steadfastness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, you used a variety of words as you were talking, grief uncertainty, sadness, joy. And I was actually talking to a friend last night and she said, there's been moments that I've felt guilty because my joy isn't overflowing, Mm. but she's walking through a situation that's genuinely sad Mm -hmm. and it should be sad. Sadness Mm. is the appropriate response. And so knowing that the grief and sadness and uncertainty and unmet expectations and joy all coexist really on a daily basis for us, but especially sometimes heightened at Christmas. And Kate, I don't know if you remember saying this before, but I've heard you talk about the fact that sometimes God ordains things in our lives that are difficult or might remove something from us so that it will push us to that true joy or that Mm. that's at least part of what God is doing in those trials. Would you share a little bit about that and how that is a hard thing, but a good thing Mm -hmm. when God does that? Yeah. You know, I think um, we've had several instances in our family where things have just not gone like we thought they would, Um, you know, and it's hard and it's hard to know what to make of that, um, you know, in the midst of it and even afterwards. Because I think they're, just like you were saying for your friend, there is definitely a time to grieve. I mean, there there just is, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, like you were saying, 
joy can go hand in hand with that and finding our joy in the Lord. And I think that's what's so encouraging is that in the middle of grief where you feel like you feel like you're drowning, God is with you and he wants to help you through that. And I think that's amazing. And something I've seen in my life, starting a little bit younger than I probably would have expected, and this probably happens to all of us, but it just caught me off guard, were some health issues that God sort of removed things I loved. Um, I loved running and um, I hurt my neck and I can't run ever again. And so, I mean, now occasionally I will have a a small sprint (laughs) just because, you know, you're out walking and you feel like, I'm just going to go for just a a minute. Um, But that was really hard for me, even though it sounds little and silly, but um, just something that I found joy and sort of release in. Um, I also have some foods that I cannot eat that I love. And so, you know, my joy is looking forward to heaven. <laughs> I am assuming I must be a baker in heaven. And I get to make all the treats and eat them right. is, is the, you know, yes. what I'm hoping for. I've eaten some of the treats you've made and they're tasty and I'm sorry. You can't always Yes, you know, them. yes, it's just the way it is. But, you know, I think the thing that has been helpful to me is I really did find a lot of joy in desserts and making them and eating them, but it never um, was a satisfying kind of thing. Mm. You know, like you don't eat like a really good creme brulee and then you're like, oh, that was nice. I ate a really good creme brulee and I was like, I want another really good (laughs) creme brulee, you know? And so as God has removed these things that are sort of silly and lighthearted, but they really have changed my life quite a bit, it does make me like, where is it I find my joy? You know, as he removes things, it really does cause us to cling to wait, what is real? What is lasting? And I think that is where, you know, we find joy in him because he is real and lasting. So. And I think that's important because none of us has a perfect set of scenarios. Maybe we're yeah. with people who are hard. Maybe we're not with people that we want right. to be with. Maybe our gifts under the tree do or don't look like we wanted them to look yeah. this year. And knowing that that joy can be had. Yes. Not pretending that the heart isn't there, but that the joy can be had and that not only did Jesus come once, but he's coming back. Yes. (laughs) And there is an excitement and a joy that we're waiting for with that is really encouraging. And I think that other people see that, you know, when they know your life circumstances are really difficult at the time, but they see you still being joyful, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on. That is a real just testimony of who Jesus is is what he's doing in our lives because we can't do that on our own. There's nothing in us that can yeah. kind of scrape that up. You know, like I'm going to go in here and I'm going to be in a great mood and be happy and be loving to other people and whatever when you just don't feel it. But God can give us the strength to do those things, you know, that are really hard. So very early on in this episode, and I thought about interrupting you, but we were only like two minutes in, taking, <laughs> so I didn't. So I wrote myself a note because I wanted to come back to it. You made a comment when you were talking about what you love about the Christmas story, you said joy demands a response. Mm. And there was something in the way you said that that struck me. Would you mind sharing a little bit more what you mean by that? Yeah. So I think specifically the Christmas story gives us a good example of where, you know, the angels come and they announce that the savior of the world has been born and that this is good news of great joy that's for all people, which I include myself and all of us in that. Yes, people. absolutely. Um, that, that, the fact that we are part of that story because this good news of great joy is for us too, um, you know, that we can't just hear that and then be like, okay, cool, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some response that that requires from us, either accepting that news as our good news and our great joy 
or refusing it. And mm. I love seeing the shepherd's response of accepting that and being like, I mean, yeah, we don't know what that means, but yeah. this sounds great. <laughs> and I mean, if if the shepherds who, you know, just thinking culturally were probably not terribly educated and probably, you know, kind of on the outskirts of society and just not really the the who's who of, you know, their mm. town, if they one, were gifted with the knowledge of that joy, and they responded to it with what little knowledge they had. When we have so much more knowledge and a full understanding, or as full as we can right now, of the fact that, like, Jesus did come, um, you know, he was in the flesh presently, he did bring good news of great joy for all people, then our responsibility is to either reject that and say no, or to accept that good news, and then that means we have to do something with it. And so, I think joy demands a response because it's either us refusing to adopt that joy as our own or accepting that joy. And uh, I think Christmas is a really cool time and a really hard time to get to practice that <laughs> mm-hmm. because the good news is there um, and we just sometimes miss it in busyness or because things are hard or because they don't go the way we want or you know maybe you're um, experiencing loneliness or separation from people during that time, whatever it is. Um, there still is a joy that's out there. It's, you know, the, the Lord has made it available and our choice is to accept and adopt it or to, um, you know, to reject that joy and experience Christmas without it. And so mm-hmm. my my hope is that we not only accept that joy for ourselves, but that we then share that with other people. Um, kind of like Kate said, it becomes a testimony to others yeah. who maybe experience the same difficulties that we as Christians do during Christmas, but don't have the joy of the Lord, that we then by accepting that joy and living it out actively get to kind of show them what that can look like. I was going to say if, but actually when there are moments when I don't feel it mm-hmm. or when it's hard mm-hmm. or when I my heart isn't maybe where I would ideally like for it to be. Do you have any thoughts on how to fight for it? Or what if I don't feel it? You talked about the active response. What, what does that look like? Yeah, it's such a good question because I think sometimes we get into our Christian circles where we're yeah. like, yeah, the Lord will just be my strength. But uh-huh. like, what does that practically look like? <laughs> yeah. um, I think Kate's already touched on some of the things. I think spiritual disciplines and mm. making the decision that you're going to practice some of those through the Christmas and New Year's season, um, not as a resolution, not because it's an exchange of like, if I do this, then God's going to bless me with a joyful Christmas. That's not how it works. We can't manipulate God into giving us things. Yeah. But it reorients our own heart towards the things of the Lord and in some ways kind of puts these healthy blinders on to kind of all of the other things going on that might threaten to steal that joy. It allows us to focus in, you know, if it's being in God's word and maybe doing an Advent study or choosing to discipline yourself to pray, um, you know, for for seven days over the course of Christmas. I don't know what it might be. Maybe it's going for a walk because you need some silence and some alone time with the Lord, um, you know, especially if you're an introvert or um, maybe you're not an introvert and Christmas is just loud and overwhelming, um, which it can be all of those things. It just, I think practicing a discipline allows us to reorient our hearts towards the Lord. Um, Again, not as an exchange that because we do X, he's going to give us Y, but Mm -hmm. more because our own hearts need that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the the song that says, tune my heart to sing your praise. And I think that's what spiritual disciplines are. They're a retuning of our heart to sing the Lord's praise. And in singing that praise, we're obviously going to be filled with his joy. Like I think the joy is just a byproduct um, of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, just as you were talking about um, reading the Word, you know, that is where we get to know God Mm -hmm. and we can recognize who He is. And I think just like, you know, while we're reading, looking, who is He? And as I get to know Him more, 
then that builds more dependence mm-hmm. and love for him and just fills me with joy. Um, I think, too, taking some time to be grateful, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like in yeah. your journal. Like I just keep a running list in the back. And some things are silly. It's like I'm thankful for these really fluffy pajama pants I have. Or, you, you know, be. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's bigger things, but just kind of having – just like you were saying, tuning your heart, like tuning your heart to also be thankful, you know, and recognize what those things are really helps me. And then another thing for me is to remember who I am without Christ and my sinful heart and how much mm. I need him. Um, and there is nothing like family getting together with family and friends <laughs> to show you who you are, right? Um, you know, when you say something really dumb and then you leave, you're like, why did I do that? Or respond poorly to a situation or something, you know, like it just really shows you who you are. And there is nothing like seeing yourself to drive you right back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think too, when I remember just thinking that Jesus came for me, just like I was talking about in Oh Holy Night. Um, when I remember He came for me, it gives me a thrill of hope. Because when when you see those two sides of like who you are, what you deserve, and what He did for us just blows your mind. And I think reminding yourself of those things, it really does help our weary hearts rejoice at His kindness and His goodness toward us. Um, but it is intentional. I really think it, it it does have to be intentional because not many of us. Well, I'll, let me just speak for myself. I am not great at doing those things unless I'm intentional about them. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what you said about being grateful is so true because, especially when the things that make Christmas hard for you maybe are disillusionment, or yeah. maybe it's unmet expectations, or maybe it's just that your expectations were unrealistic and then they weren't met, or maybe they were perfectly realistic and they still weren't met. Um, being grateful makes it so much easier to remain joyful in those moments where you can still allow yourself to feel the pain or the sadness or the grief. Mm -hmm. But also when you have that list of, or you've, you know, list of things that the Lord has gifted you, or you are tuning your heart to notice them. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's your coffee in the morning is a good gift from the Lord. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, your slippers or the fact that a family member texted you about something. You know, it might be something really small, but I think reminding ourselves to notice those things and training ourselves to allows us to be so full of noticing the gifts from the Lord mm-hmm. that when people around us or life doesn't meet our expectations, we're still full of our expectations of the Lord being met. Like he's not going mm-hmm. to let us down or fail to meet our expectations when they're rooted in scripture and who he is. Um, and we're noticing the ways that he's you know so good to us. I appreciate that you brought up gratitude. Actually, Kate, think you're really good at that. Kate's really good at praying for things, but she's also really good at after the fact, verbalizing even to me as a friend, you know, I'm so grateful God did, and then she'll mm-hmm. say what it is. And so- I think I was probably, I'm forgetful, and I need to have those <laughs> reminders. <laughs> for whatever it is, it's good for her, but what I appreciate is like, it's also good for me, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes I'll share the need, but sometimes I forget to even- say to someone, oh, I'm really grateful God did whatever. And so it's good for me to thank the Lord, but also to verbally say it out loud to whoever's, yeah. I'm so grateful God gave me this wonderful cup of coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. And not not that we want to be cheesy about it right, all the time, right. yeah. but to acknowledge that, I think but that does is get good. us kind of in a habit of yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you share something that God has done, mm-hmm. then it, and it also builds in our heart dependence on Him, which That's is just so, so good and so important yeah. and helpful. Yes. <laughs> 
Y'all make me smile and experience so much joy just getting to talk about this. And so as we conclude our time, I know there are a million things about joy that are important and significant for you that you've experienced at Christmas. But what is maybe one more thought or final encouragement about joy or even just one more thing you love about the Christmas season or about Christ that you would share with us? Well, I'll go. Um, I recently heard a story of a man, I mean, this does not sound joyful at all, but he had terminal brain cancer and the nurse had written in his chart inappropriately joyful. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that thought because I thought, is that how someone would describe me? No, because I've had much less things than (laughs) terminal brain cancer and I still would not have described myself as inappropriately (laughs) joyful. So um, I just love that thought though. Like how, how great would that be for someone to see you? And that's what they say. And Kathy, I think that you're very good at, um, you're very good at being inappropriately joyful. (laughs) So I love it. That is such a weird, great compliment. (laughs) But I really mean it as a compliment because I think, you know, there are hard things that we're going to go through, but I love when we can still have joy and joy in the Lord in those things. And I see that in you all the time. So I love it. And it's a really good reminder to me. I think those things really spread to other people. You know, like when you're feeling joyful and even if your circumstances aren't great, that spreads to other people. And that right there is just joyful. Um, I love Psalm 1611. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore. And what a great verse to keep focused on. Where does our joy come from? It comes from the Lord. Um, And I love that we all can find joy in God's presence, not just in heaven once we get there, but even now. Hmm. I love that, Kate. I think for me, because our joy isn't situational, Mm -hmm. It's kind of almost a fun challenge when situations come up that make it hard to be joyful because it's like, man, my joy doesn't depend on this situation. And so what does it look like to really depend on the Lord? Um, I don't like being dependent. I don't like having weakness. But sometimes those situations are exactly what I need to realize that I, I can't just white knuckle my joy through this situation. I'm going to have to allow it to be an overflow of the joy that the Lord has given me. And so I think for me, finding specific tangible ways that I can choose to rest in the Lord Mm -hmm. and choose to seek Him in some of the challenging seasons of the holidays or even in the really sweet seasons of the holidays, seeing those as a reflection of the heart of God, that allows me to maintain that joy through sweet things or through hard things and like I brought up earlier, James says to count it all joy, which means that it's a command. And so it's a choice. Like we we get to choose to, um, but that doesn't mean we can do it in our own strength. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's a fun and good challenge to figure out what does it look like to count it all joy and to rest in the Lord to find that joy. I love that you said it. it's like kind of a fun challenge. Because if you think about it that way, it really does change the way you think about it. It does. Like, yes. how am I going to find joy today despite these really bad circumstances? Yes. I'm going to. Like, and I love a good challenge. Yes. <laughs> That's good. I love it. I do think I've never thought about counting it joy is a fun challenge and mm-hmm. getting to do that mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to having to do that. Yeah, yes. Your word choice was very yeah. intentional there, mm-hmm. Peyton. Yeah, it was good. changes your perspective. <laughs> it does, for sure. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> well, thank you both for the laughter, for the smiles, for sharing things that have brought you joy, for reminding us of the profound joy that we have in Christ and in the Christmas story. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, you came and it is a gift that we cannot say thank you for enough. We know that you came 
and were born and knew that the cross and the resurrection were also coming. And so we experience profound joy because of that. And we say, thank you. I pray for us and for everyone listening that you would give us the attitude and the strength to experience every day of Christmas as a fun challenge of how we can have joy. And also we thank you for those days and those moments when it's easy, when we see a Christmas light, when we get to hug a loved one, when the things about this Christmas season are what we want. We say thank you for those as well. We love you, Jesus, and are so excited for when you come again. Mm -hmm. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.